welcome to the conversation. <laughs> we are now. We're in the green room at McCurdy's Comedy Theater. This is a conversation, and uh, we're with the comics this week. Uh, and uh, a- as always, we say uh, uh, for the for the thousands and hundreds of thousands of you that know this podcast so well, hundreds of thousands. So many of them don't speak English, Jim. But that's okay. Huge in Bosnia, I heard. Huge, humongous. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, it's just our natural conversation as much as we can make it that way with a microphone in front of our face, just sitting here chatting. And uh, this week, uh, Jim McHugh, that's who was just talking over there. That Hello. was the voice, Jim McHugh, from Boston, Boston Comedy Festival, Boston Comedy Competition. Uh, you're, are you the tallest comic in Boston? Yes, I am. You are the tallest kind. Well, no, me and Gary Goldman are about. Oh, that's right. Yeah, about equal. I didn't know. I was forgetting that he was a Boston comedian. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, he must. He must be close. So there you go. So, if someone wants to be, aspires to be the tallest comic in Boston, they gotta go six seven. Six seven. Six seven. Okay. And, Night's uh, good when you start out in comedy because you start out in like really horrible places and mm-hmm. you're doing comedy on the floor in front of dartboards. Right. And if you're tall, yeah. you kind of bring your own stage with you. Yes. Right. Yes. You, appear, <laughs> you make it appear there's a stage. I don't need an eight-inch riser to be seen. You know. You, you've never needed an eight-inch riser. <laughs> I used to be six-seven. You were. Yeah, but as you get older, you, you really get short. You do shrink. <laughs> oh, you can drop that down. It's Ron Modell talking over there. Hey, Ron. There. How you guys doing tonight? We couldn't be better. Now we're there. Uh, yeah. So it, that is. And, and uh, I do, I do the, uh, this thing called rolfing. You ever heard of it? No. no. Rolfing. Rolfing is, uh, you know, it's people, people like to compare it to massage, uh, to a therapeutic massage, but it's different. A rolfer, the, your body is encased in something called a fascia. Fascia. It's, it's like a sausage, like the skin on the outside of a sausage that holds the sausage together. Yes. Well, uh-huh. between your skin, between your epidermis and your dermis, and your organs, there's that layer of fascia, I believe it's pronounced, that you're encased in. Okay. And so what a rolfer does is tries to manipulate the fascia so that your body goes back into form the way it should be. Over the years, you know, uh, uh, there's a certain structure we all should carry, right, to our frame. There's a certain posture we should carry. There, And over the years, through bad habits and simple gravity and that sort of thing, we all get out of whack. Right. Right? So chiropractors adjust your bones, your spine. A rolfer adjusts your fascia to get your organs to fall back where they should, to get your muscles to fall back, to try to get... I call her more, uh, the girl that does it here, Ioni, uh, which uh, uh, her sister, Edith, is her sister that works here. Um, I call her kind of my body coach because she, you know, she'll watch me walk around, all how you sit, how you stand, you know. And, and so a big thing with her was we started working uh, after um, I'd been gone to her uh, maybe five or six times and... She was like, you really want to get a little more intense with this. And she goes, because I want to get you lengthened out. And her thing was that thing of getting shorter as you get older. Of course, naturally, yes, your 
your spine is gonna compress, things like that are gonna fall in. But she says a lot of that is just you settling rather than staying length. So she actually, um, so I do a lot of stretches in this, that, and the other. But she actually, uh, like a kid, we we marked my height on on the on the wall. Okay. When we go in, so she goes, you know, I would like to see us in a year get you at least a quarter inch taller to a half. And I know she asked me, she goes, how tall are you? And I said, I'm five seven. And she goes, you're probably five eight, five eight and a half. Probably really. just she was just looking at you, just looking wow. at how your kind of posture, your posture is, and everything, you know. Okay. And uh, so it's it's interesting, you know. Yeah. But yeah, because she so her thought is you you can counteract that somewhat. You know what's gonna crush less? Not totally. Huh? He's gonna get an extra inch and a half, and it's gonna ruin his golf swing. Absolutely. I'm gonna keep missing the fucking ball. You're gonna top. Yeah. You're gonna be top of the ball every fucking every time. shot. <clears throat> what happened? <laughs> Ground the ground balls. I grew. <laughs> the whole thing is to try to stay erect your whole life. That's right. Yes. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Not a public transportation. Get your, fucking, get your fucking head up. <laughs> Absolutely. Head up. That was another thing I read too that said one of the reasons a lot of people fall more when they get older is that when you're young, you don't watch your feet when you're walking. No. Yeah. But when you get older, you have a tendency to want to look down and watch your feet more. And they said that gets your eyes moving towards the ground. And your head you follows. have a tendency to get out of whack, out of balance. Right. Wow, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. They teach that with running, though. Like, if you're running, you shouldn't be looking down because your head will follow. And then you'll be, you'll be out of balance. And the next thing you know, you're running forward, and then you'll eat shit. So. <laughs> Plus, you have to have nice feet to look at. If you don't like your feet. Well, there's another thing when you get older. Right. Your feet go gnarly. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. My, my dad, that was one of the things. I, uh, when, I got, when I married Pam, before I married Pam, I, I'd never had a massage. I'd never had a pedicure, of course. Right. There's no way in God's green earth I was going to spend that money on that. Right. But then as soon as you do it, you're like, shit, this is great. <laughs> you know? And... Uh, once I started getting pedicures, man, when my dad, when my dad got, by, by the time he was my age now, 65, his feet were fucked up. <laughs> Those toenails, yeah. you needed, you needed hedge clippers to cut them damn toenails, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and it's just, and I'm like, I am not, and that's, I go, hell, that's me, yep. you know? And I go, I am not going to let that happen as much as I can. I'm going to take care of my damn feet. You know what my they grandpa teach you? used to always say, take care of your feet. That's Absolutely. what they teach you in the feet. Army, right? Yeah, I guess. Feet's like, yeah. feet's like the first, the number one thing you take care of. You can't do anything of. without your feet. Right. And you have a favorite pair of shoes yeah. that feels just right. Yeah. What do they say? They say spend the most money on your shoes and your mattress. Yeah. True. That's true. Uh-huh. And most people have a piece of shit mattress. I know. Right. Because <laughs> you go to spend the money, you're like, what's the cheapest one you got? Because mattresses are fucking Oh, expensive. they're big money. I would have, have you ever tried one of those sleep number beds? No. No. I've just, seen them. Just when... It, I've got, you know, I've used them in the hotels. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. 
I've never seen one in a hotel. You know what? Though? I almost lost sleep because I was so concerned about trying to figure out what my number was. <laughs> it was it was like it was like three hours of trial. Am I an eight or nine? Or I don't know. I like that. It's like when you go to the, uh, the eye doctor. Better or worse? I don't know anymore. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, just, I just went I through. The, I had cataract surgery last year. Oh, I was at the eye doctor, and then you, you get from better worse, better worse. I kept going same, same. You get, you get flustered. You don't know fuck. anymore. It's true. It's true. You don't hold up on a question. No <laughs> oh god we did a i was gonna say we did a uh if you ever ran a sleep number bed store go in and just say hey man i've heard about it could you give me a demonstration and it's pretty cool you know uh, the shit those beds will do yeah you know we we've talked about it, but they're an investment i mean fuck i think the was it like three <clears> grand or something or oh five no more well I think around four or five for the like the, the, the entry basic level. Yeah. entry level. But if you get all the bells and whistles, where it'll you know raise up and the feet will raise and the and all the the, uh, the has memory that adjusts, yeah, yeah. And all, you get all that shit. I, it, you're talking about for a, a queen or king size bed. I think it was getting there close to ten thousand. I, I went in about a year ago, with like my dad, car, to know. help him look at a bed. We said, "We'll just look in here." And I just looked at the showroom, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, this ain't the right place." No, because <laughs> I knew it was going to be, uh, you know, heart palpitations. You right, know? right. No, because he was going to go for a bed. <laughs> right. right. He was like, "Come with somebody." <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And then with the sleep number bed, there's a top piece on it. And you're supposed to change that out, I think, every two years. And it's a couple hundred bucks. There you, you go. Know? But it, it <clears> is. <throat> it's, an, it's, one, it's like you're, you're getting that bad. You're financing that bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Probably. You know? Absolutely. But, uh, but I know people that have it, and they just, the ones that do. They swear by it. They swear by it. I've never had anybody that had one. I've had people get the memory foam beds and not like them because they felt kind of trapped right getting like out of cocooned one. in them kind of really you know? yep. and pam slept in one she goes i felt hot you know oh, i yeah. felt like i was getting hot and then i couldn't move around you feel like you got spongebob square pants has you in, a, <laughs> yeah. in an arm bar yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. sleeper <laughs> but the nice thing is is that your partner can roll around and you can't feel them right <laughs> i guess if that's a thing but they my, also my said wife, you got to I haven't wrote a bit about this yet, but I want to. My wife has nightmares and punches and kicks in her sleep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's interesting. Yeah. Or at least she says she's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I deserve it either way. <laughs> I always like that. You ever punch back? No. No. I'm a runner, man. Just I'm a little, just a shove. No. Damn shoves, man. <laughs> Roll over. I'm a snore. I'm a bad snore. Huh. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody snores though, isn't it? Like, yeah, I think yeah, everybody snores. And like in some weird way. Right. Yeah. So we just keep rolling while the show's yeah. rolling. Yeah, we just keep talking. All right. I always like that joke about the little Jewish guy that walked into the furniture store and he said, "Could you show me something in a sexual couch?" And the woman said, "Don't you mean sectional?" He said, I don't know what you call it, as long as I get an occasional piece. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you're going to pay a lot for furniture, by the way. If they say, uh, I got a chair for you, that's going to be reasonable. But if they say, let me show you this piece over here, 
Yeah, a piece. That's going to be payments. Oh, boy. Like, <laughs> if it's a piece, it's a work of art. Like, it's art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If it's yeah. a chair, yeah. yes. everyone can afford a chair. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a designer. This piece in the corner, uh, yeah. let me get the lighting. You know, Just I'll right. Get, yeah, yeah, right. It's made in France. It's I'm like, like, you don't want to, you know what I'm going to put on that chair? <laughs> <laughs> it ain't art, believe me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. So, what kind of, uh, what, what's the name of this podcast we're doing? It's called The Conversation. The conversation. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We looked it up, and there's not there's not another podcast called the conversation. So. Yeah. Okay. Which is either a good or a bad thing. Maybe it's a bad name. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I can't figure out the, what the what the thing is. You know, uh, I I used to have the Boston Comic Festival podcast and the McHugh Report, and I ditched both of those. Yeah. And now I do the uh, the the big comedy festival podcast. I try to combine them, and even now I'm thinking of rethinking that. Oh, that's pretty inviting. Like, yeah, it sounds like an important. Well, you know what I wanted to do instead thing. of just doing the Boston Comedy Festival, I wanted to go to other people's comedy festivals. Oh, okay. And interview people there, or people that are going to festivals, and kind of get the, you know. So you could just do your own, like interview. It's just, kind yeah, of stuff? it's just a, a festival. Oh, that'd be cool. Kind of because there's so many festivals that have popped up now. Yeah. I'd like to go around to other people's festivals. I have more fun at other people's festivals than mine. Mine is work. Right. You know, I want to hang out with the comedians and like we're doing oh, here. It's probably stressful as hell putting on your own festival. <laughs> Can I pitch a book? Yeah. I just got a book from a famous author who's also a great comedian and a new good friend of mine, Ron Modell. It's called Loved Being Here With You. And, uh, and he, this guy is killing him all week long and he's so thoughtful. Yeah. Signed a book and brought it in for me today, Ron. Thank you so much. Oh, What's this about? Pleasure. Give me a story out of this book. Well, it, it's really my whole life, starting with, uh, just to give you an idea of the book, for the first two and a half years of my life, I never said a word. I mean, no mama, no dada, no, two and a half years. And I had an older brother who was three years older, and usually kids will copy their right. siblings. Yeah. And my mother was panicking. She took me to hearing tests. She took me all over to see... That sounds like Einstein, I think, was like that. No, but I... What I would do was, my mother said I would point my finger and just go, uh. That was it for two and a half years. Okay. Okay, so I'm two and a half years old. My mother and father are driving in the front part of the car. My brother Sandy and I are in the back. Yeah. We're going to Brooklyn to see my father's parents, my grandparents, and we're stopped one block off of the Brooklyn Bridge and here's a big uh, movie marquee, the Brooklyn Paramount. Okay. The light is red. Now the light changes, and as my father tries to go straight, a little dog, cute little dog, ran out in front of my father's car and got frightened because every place my father tried to go, the dog went. Sure. And all of a sudden, from the back of this car, and this is the God's honest truth, a voice came and said, somebody tell that son of a bitch and dog to get out of the way. My father went right up on the curb of the street. Oh, my God. The front door flew open where my mother was. Yeah. Thank God nobody got hit. There was no damage. Yeah. But my mother turned around and said to my brother, Sandy, did you say that? He said, no, Ronnie said it. She wow, said, say wow. it again. So I said it again. Somebody get that son of a bitch. They ran me out to the grandparents. Say it for grandma and grandpa. Then they ran back to the Bronx. Say it for this grandma and grandpa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was mm. the beginning of my life. And after that, everything was a ball. <laughs> I was all downhill from there. <laughs> but it took me through my first 15 or 20 years of playing in a major symphony orchestra and opera. And then because there wasn't enough money to make during those times, they only had a 25-week season. What did you do the other 27 weeks? 
I went up to the Catskill Mountains and played in a resort hotel. Oh, okay. That's cool. And then uh, after 10 years of, well, 18 summers I played in the Catskills. But, uh, That's kind of a magical thing that oh, we'll never see again. Like no. The Catskills. No. Uh, all the these people ground. would travel up there and, yep. and uh, summer up there, and they did get dressed in those days. Oh, yes. On a Saturday night, it was all tuxedo and white dinner jackets. Yeah. Wow. But, uh, they invented the buffet there. Yes. And they were like locusts. Yeah. You know, Jewish people don't drink usually. Right. I asked the bartender one night, how many drinks did you serve? He said, well, there were 500 people there, I think 1,500. They, uh, <laughs> everything you know, was for free. Right. Okay, so... I, Obviously, Jim McHugh, I'm Irish, right? So a few years back, we had my 50th birthday party back in my hometown. We rent the hall. I met all my old, old friends. And my, my wife, who's my, her maiden name is Giordano. So she's buying all this food. I go, you don't know. Stop. And I'm, we're arguing. I go, stop spending all this money on food. They're not going to eat the food. Well, what are they going to do? I said, they're going to line up at the bar. Yeah. Yeah. And she won't believe me. Yeah. And we had all this food. We couldn't give it away. Yeah. And it was like, I said, you know. That's the way it is. Liquid yeah. dinner. But I'll tell you, if you want to go to a good wedding, go to an Irish-Italian wedding. Because they got really good food and an open bar. Good yeah. open bar. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's great. So now we just sit here. Yeah. Now, how long have you been doing comedy? Uh, a little bit over two years now. Okay. Yeah, still, still a baby. Just trying to figure. I started here. So, yeah, no, it's yeah. great. I love it here. Yeah, you know what's great is you have all these other skills. These, uh, you know, yeah, AV skills. AV and stuff. skills. I yeah. want to learn that stuff, man. It's it's just patience. Like I, I a lot of like uh, comics my age will make like jokes about like their parents trying to learn computers and stuff like sure. that. Sure. And uh, I honestly think that it's just patience. Yeah. Like, and I think that uh, people. Like of your generation, where, might, do, where does this podcast live? Is it go to LibSync or, or uh, Podbean? Po okay, which okay. I think you actually were the one that pitched that. Yeah, that's to one us. of two that that I read and right. saw on YouTube. Those are right. the top two. But I was going to ask you if you went to LibSync. I, I want somebody. I never heard of LibSync. What's that? Someone who understands. Well, I could show you on my. If I'll bring my laptop in if you're in here again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I'm not sure that I'm getting my my thing posted everywhere it's supposed to get posted. And I wish I could get somebody else that knew what they were doing to look at it. Like you know? a producer kind of guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so. That's what I do, basically. I'm, I just try to keep the conversation Do you do going. all the graphic art, the posters I see on the internet and all that uh, stuff? No, that's, uh, that was Kevin. Kevin He's got a team that. here now. Do you need a little help with that door? All right. Is it open? It's not opening? No. Let's lock you out. That's what happened. We got a lock here. Oh, that's worse. We should lock him out there. <laughs> <laughs> Kick open the door. Well, I remember when I started podcasting, I thought it was just as easy as recording it yeah. and then just dropping it, but it's not. It's a lot to it. Just promoting it and yeah. trying to keep listeners and then just consistency that's one thing i learned you can't like take a week off yeah i just did that i'm i'm trying to get back on the saddle because after the festival i was so beat up right and now I'm trying to get back on the horse i'm i'm going to interview i think shane moss next week 
We've had him in here. We had him on the podcast once, I think. Yeah, he's good. He's, he's a bo- he's well. He's not really a Boston guy, but I know him from. He started kind of in. Didn't Boston. he win the Boston? No, he came in second. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And uh, but he did get the Aspen Comic Festival out of the Boston Comic Festival. Okay. Yeah. And then he won that. Right. And that got him, I think, Conan. And he was the community of the year in Aspen. And he got an a- I think he got an agent. You could ask Shane about that, but he's yeah. never looked back. I mean, he, you fantastic. know, that was his last. Uh, the year that. Uh, he came in second, and Danny was first. Uh, Lewis Black came up. And I think there was some kind of change in his agency or something. So all these agents showed up. To get Lewis Black? They were all looking at Lewis Black. Uh-huh. And they just happened to be there to look at everybody else. Uh-huh. And we've had a few years like that where stuff has happened. and uh, That's amazing yeah. how things can line up like that. Yes. For other comics, too. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Shane's amazing. I, uh, he has a, have you ever heard his drug show that he does? We had it at the festival this year. It's great. Like, we had his two. His one show that's science, science, right? Yeah. And one that's drugs, and we did both of them. We did one at uh, the Rockwell Theater, one at. Uh, I haven't heard the science show. Yeah, he's got one on science, and it's interesting because he'll have a scientist right on his podcast. Right, yeah. it's a live podcast, and you know, of course, we have MIT in Boston, and right, of course, Worcester Polytech, and you know, a lot of great school, Harvard, perfect. Yeah. So yeah, he's able to get people, and he, he's I don't really understand how he does. He must research. Well, I like the he's taking he's using comedy as a delivery system for information. Yeah. Well, right. I want to learn from him. You know, I'm I'm gonna ask pick his mind a little bit about how he uh, goes about marketing himself too, because now he's. No, I would talk to I talked to him at the Boston County Festival. He no longer uh, has an agent. He's he's hired someone that's kind of like an office administrator. Really? He books all his own stuff and markets all his own stuff. And he, he says he's not beholden to anyone, you know. Well, that's and he's great. out there on the road doing two hundred gigs yeah. a year, and he's figured it out. You wow. Know? Uh, wow. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And like he did the festival, he he had booked. Uh, you know, a Wednesday in Hartford and another day in New Hampshire. He booked all these spots around that. Right. And uh, so he he utilizes his he time seems, and space. But he seems like a resourceful kind of person. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Like not a lazy wait for it to happen kind of guy. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to start using my, my thing to learn about comedy. Like I'm going to interview less... Uh, as soon as I can, because he did, did a course at the Boston County Festival about how to be how to be wise with your money. So when you right. start out, you don't end up penniless. Right. And that's information I think I and every comedian out there can use. Like how much, what's the best way to squirrel a little bit away every month or every week? Because I don't think you think about that when you're first. Yeah, you starting. need to because the time yeah. goes by so fast. Right. Exactly. So fast. And uh, and uh, I want to learn about it. You know. And yeah. like debt, all this thing. Like when you go to high school, they should teach you how to handle your checkbook, how to handle credit cards or yeah. not handle credit cards, and how to you know. They don't want you to learn that though. Let's be honest. It's the most important thing. I know. What's I mean? What's more important? I mean, uh, uh, there's ethical things that might be more important. Than sure. That. Yeah. But survival wise. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd rather take that than calculus. And and the credit cards are so predatory that you know they they. Send I you know I'm I think I'm all caught up on my credit cards at this moment. At this moment, right? Exactly. But um, they send me um, checks in the mail. Really? You know, oh yeah. Like you could just write buy something with these checks. Really? You know? Oh yeah. Just to try and entice you. They're into trying something. to entice me to do anything. Uh, That's what I'm saying. They're not gonna like if anything they're gonna they're gonna try to prevent the school board from doing something like that like teaching some kind of course on that they don't want you to have any knowledge going in to that, so. ron you okay you just listening for your spot to go up okay yeah. okay 
Um, but yeah, they're super predatory. I mean, when I turned 18, it's just like I got every single yeah. credit card in the. Well, yeah, I did mail. too. And then you you go, oh great, now uh, you know, um, Greg Carey is a really really funny comedian mm-hmm. and a good friend of mine. I live with him in New York. But he used to have a great bit. It's like you know, it used to be. Well, I'm only going to use this for emergencies, and then suddenly happy hour is an emergency. You know, what <laughs> everything's I mean? like, an emergency. I think that's his line. Yeah, and uh, he used to have another great line. He used to say, "American Express is great, but they were really aggressive in getting their money back." You know, yeah. they'd say, "We have your mother," and he'd say, <laughs> "Will that cover it?" <laughs> you know, like <laughs> exactly. It's not gonna, yeah. Like, put it on my tab. Yeah, they should. I mean, I, when I did a, uh, I was up in East St. Louis for the. Uh, World Series of Comedy, I think they call it. Okay. And I thought that was in Vegas. They used to do it in Vegas, but they're, I guess they're cutting costs. So we were in East St. That's Louis. That's interesting. Right. And we were at this weird Casino Queen Hotel or whatever, which okay. is like kind of like a, it's like a knockoff casino almost. Not like yeah, a, yeah. It's like, almost it's like a reservation even, or something. Yeah, it's not really a casino. Like, right. But, and uh, so we were there and Les taught a course on that, on, um, you know, being financially secure as a comedian and there was a bunch of different seminars that week, and that yeah. one probably had the highest attendance. Which, you know, the, pro- the the challenge I have in Boston is I try to do a bunch of seminars, but there's so much going on in Boston. And all the New York acts, they shuttle back and forth. It's four hours away. Sure, yeah. And that's a big percentage of the acts. Mm-hmm. They all come up from New York. Yeah. It's great because you make connections. You hang out with all these guys that are in New York. It is good. And, you know, the Boston guys can... Uh, you know, when I, you can stay at my crash on my couch, and I'll crash on you know all that kind of stuff. That's that is so helpful. It's so super helpful. Yeah. Yeah, but um, the downside is to try to get stuff during the day going. I think I think Les did his class. He was happy with it, but I don't think he had more than a dozen people. Really? Yeah. Well. You know? But they loved it. I mean, you know, the word I got back was is you know very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Because they don't you don't you just don't think about that side of it. You're like comedy will take care of me, and then I don't think. No, it might not, you know? I don't know. Yeah, right. Not everybody can be the top 1% comedian, so. Right. Listen, there's a lot of us out there making a living, but, you know, it's right. not like, uh, you know, you're, you're uh, you know, chugging through life and you got to, like every other uh, mere mortal, you got to right, be, exactly. you know, thinking about tomorrow. And I think it's, it's scary. It's a very about. valid thing to, to look into, you know? Right. It scares me to think about it, though, like, just like, like, what's my 10-year goal? Like, what's my, you know, even right. five-year goal? It's, like, it's daunting sometimes. Yeah. But it, Well, I'll tell you this. This What you're doing here, I think, is fascinating. I think that, uh, like, never before, comedians can create their own content wherever they are in the world. Their right. podcast, a character on YouTube. Something, yeah. Something to... to, to and, and if you do and you get a, a huge following... You, believe me, the agents will come to you. Yes, exactly. If you have uh, 150,000 listeners on your podcast, you're going to get a phone call. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You know, And you can also monetize that right away, which will finance. If you did make a move, you'd have that you know, mailbox money. Yeah, exactly. Or it's not even mailbox money anymore. It's just digitally sent to your bank account money. <laughs> exactly. Passive income. Which is know. great for a comic especially. Oh, it's amazing. It's so, amazing. So you can you just know. travel anywhere. And- yeah. That's part of the, and that's what enticed me anyway. Like it was, you know, getting laughs was amazing. It's an amazing feeling, yeah. but just the freedom of, like, of the what the job entails. Like you get to go to other places. Right. It's just rare, you know, unless you're a, like a traveling book salesman or some shit. I don't know any other realistic job that you can do like that. So yeah, I really have fun with that. 
and I've, I've only done like maybe two gigs outside of Florida, but right, it was right. still like very exciting for me, you know? Yeah. Was, uh, well, you know, it helps you that, that, like you should do as many different kinds of gigs as you can, even though some of them will really beat yeah. the bejesus out of you. Right. Um, you, if you can learn a little bit from each one of them, you have yeah. more arrows in your quiver and you realize at some point it's not always you. Right. You exactly. did the best you could. It was an unwinnable situation. And sure. You know, you're like a raging bull. You know, you just right. try not to go down. You right. Know, exactly. Well, I, I like it. the I like the hell gigs for the stories. They're great. Like, <laughs> yeah. they're so much fun to tell. But in the moment, yeah, they suck. They're like, this is the worst thing ever. I was on uh, BZ as an AM station in Boston. It's like, I think it's fifty thousand or hundred thousand watts. It's AM though, but so okay. it's like a midnight to five. Right. And I'm trying to pitch shows that I got coming up and yeah. trying to stay awake. And I'm telling the guy all these hell gig stories, you know, yeah, the story yeah. of uh, I was on Royal Caribbean and the boat hit the thing and oh, I actually got fired from this gig. <laughs> it's on another gig, you know, I'm in the army and mortars come in, uh, all these stories. Yeah. And I'm like thinking, I drove on, what are like six people hear that? Like, what, what am I doing? Like, you know, and I get a call from Stephen Wright <laughs> no shit. on my cell phone. I'm like, he's like, of course, Stephen Wright was the one listening at three thirty in the morning. Of all the people on earth, he was the one listening to AM radio. You know, of course. Yeah. And he was like, "Hey, man, he was, I can't do an impression." Yeah, he was yeah. like, "Did that? Did that really happen?" So he's like, did that really happen? I'm like, he goes, those are really great stories. You should do them on stage. I'm like, they're entertaining cause, to you because you work theaters. Right. Like, what is my life? Like, I haven't done my last hell gig. You know, I got another one any time now. You know? like, exactly. Any day now. It's not that I got another thing. hell gig coming. It's like, I, I get, you know. You're just counting down the days. You know, I got, I got great gig, great gig, great gig. Oh, my. What happened? You know? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. So. I do a joke about mine about uh, my first paid gig was at a strip club. Uh huh. At twelve o'clock in the afternoon, on Father's Day. Oh, nice. and it's like I remember when they asked me to do it, and I was like, I asked another comic to do it with me, and he was like, "Hell no, that sounds terrible." And I was like, "What's the point, right?" Yeah. And he goes, "Was like, no, I, uh, why would you put yourself through that?" And I was like, "Well, it's gonna be a great story, hopefully." And I was like, "That's the only reason I did it." It was f- fucking five people, and like, it was just it was a terrible idea for comedy. Huh. But you know, like that's what. That's what everybody told me to do. Take those gigs. You have to go and, you know, huh. you have to. I don't know. It makes you stronger, I think. Absolutely. But that's one thing I want to talk to you about was actually, uh, I noticed you do like a ton of crowd work yeah. in your act. And it was like, when you were first starting, was that like always a plan for you or did you just kind of no, naturally? I just started doing it. Yeah. I had to. To fill and, uh, time kind of thing? Or? And it kind of worked for me, so I did more. Yeah, you're very good at it. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. Thank you. Headliner with it. But yeah. it, I mean, every time I well, see. Well, you know, you, when I started doing it in Boston, uh, there used to be a lot of guys. Uh, they all came out of the Ding Ho, and they're all amazing. Right. Um, but they were very controlling of the comedians that were their support acts. Right. And they didn't like guitar acts. They didn't like prop acts. And they didn't like crowd work acts. Right. Right. And uh, they did not want you talking to the crowd. They wanted you doing monology. You know, doing yeah. material. And uh, so it wasn't uh, something that. I was really uh, celebrated for, right? And so I try. I learned to write material. You know, I write quite a bit, actually. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so that I didn't. Ha- I didn't have to do it. Right. 
but uh, then as I, you know, it's funny now. It's like everybody wants to do it, but it was like yeah, it was a. I took some lumps for it. Yeah, yeah. That's what they they told me. Like if you're gonna you know middle for somebody, you don't do crowd work or whatever. Well, what I do, what I used to do, is I would close with ten to fifteen minutes of material, Mm -hmm. so that um, you you train them back in with timing. Right. And uh, you don't leave on crowd work. That's that was a rule I made up. I haven't heard anyone else say it, but that's that sounds about right though. Yeah. So if you're gonna do thirty, I do like five up front, so they know I'm funny. Then I play around a little bit, and then I end always with at least 10 minutes of material so that the guy coming on after me doesn't have to clean up whatever I was talking about. I do that, too. It, yeah, yeah. Depending on the act. There's some acts There's some acts I know it doesn't matter. Right. You know what I mean? It doesn't – they're just – their energy and everything, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But it, especially if it's an act that is kind of – low-key or just conversational right you know what i mean not not a lot of super high energy or anything then yeah i want to get them back in the listening mode right and then usually i will always say when i finish i go hey man now this part's over this chit chat right. part's right. over yeah, i've heard you do that now yep. please kick back listen and and uh and enjoy yeah. the next comment just to get them into that head you well, know you know you're really thoughtful too because les is very good at crowd work and and he sets the table for me he can make it a lot harder for me and he doesn't right exactly Uh, because he's aware of what's going on yeah i mean when when and and, you know they're really headliners that go into the crowd that really enjoy going into the crowd you know they're they're pretty rare yeah that are good at it you know what i mean i mean i I, I mean really out of all the guys we book uh, oh you know i mean i can't think when you look at the comics now used to you look at your stable of comics that you use on a regular basis, and it, used, it, it was really enough that covered a year, and now it's like enough that covers two years almost, yeah, you know? Right. And, but when I look at that whole bunch that mm-hmm. come here, there's really only, I don't know, four or five. Really? Yes. Not a lot. Not a lot. Okay. That, not a that, that, that really that I know are going to go into the crowd that's going to be a big part of their show and are the type like you that go – Hey man, I know if I get the crowd zoofed up, don't worry about it. I can handle. If I mean, yeah, unless yeah. somebody just <laughs> unless somebody just goes off the fucking wheels, you know, <laughs> right, right. you know, I can pretty much handle them. You yeah, know? <laughs> but never say never. <laughs> right? Yeah, because because you get that nonsensical person, the drunk right. or the nonsensical. There are people one. that cannot be shamed. They yes. cannot be you know. uh, right. And they there's won't. a certain percentage of of our population that you know they're. They have a handicap. Yes. You know, they're not, yes. they're not hearing the same music. You know? No, no. That's <laughs> no. why I, when I when we when I teach comedy, I tell I tell the new comics, especially that are just taking the class, I go, don't t- don't talk to the crowd. Right. You know, when you're first getting started, well, I know that was one of the things when I judge comedy competitions. That's a real strike against them when yeah. they start doing crowd work. Crowd work because I'm going. You have such a confined amount right, of time. Right. I would do crowd work. And I go, why are you doing crowd work? It, it, it's so inefficient to right. time, yes. you know, to get laughs per right. minute. Sure. Because you don't know. Yeah. You're gambling. You're gambling a lot. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and you shouldn't be gambling in that situation. And also you're trolling, you know, like, you, you know, you don't, you, you know, you're going to get somebody, but sometimes you got to open them up a little bit. It might take you a couple minutes to get to it. Oh, exactly. And exactly. if you got a six-minute set, you don't got a couple minutes to Oh, I know. I know. I know. But like I say, every time I'm judging one, 
and, and I see somebody goes in the crowd, it just flabbergasts me. I, I was like, why? I mean, it, immediately to me as a judge, I'm going, so you're doing six minutes, or even if you were doing 10 or 12, you right? Know, uh, you went into the crowd, and I immediately think, have you only got seven minutes? Is <laughs> that your deal? I did, uh, <laughs> I did last comic standing. Yeah. And I did. I had to sit through the first, they do the, an empty, is, I think it's Tempe, Arizona, or somewhere like that. Right. And I had another gig the next day, and, and uh, our friend Barb North uh-huh, yeah. kind of helped me get that. Uh-huh. And uh, but anyway, we I, so I go there and they, they let I, the first thing goes well. Then you do the empty room with the celebrities who judge you. Then I get oh. through that, and then they go, "We like your material, you know, but uh, we're not going to use you. You're not the right demographic for us. But we'll tape you tonight, and we'll probably use your material for our ads and stuff like that." Right. So, so you might get some. I've been, face now time. I've been up for 14 hours. I'm a little pissed off. Yeah. So I go. I do my opening line. Go right into the crowd. Yeah. And they come running down the the aisles with the cameras. The guy, director didn't know I was going to do it. Damn. And he was not happy. Yeah. <laughs> Good. But they did use my opening line for their national radio. Oh, ad. nice. Yeah. Nice. That's hilarious. Nice. But I was just like, you tell somebody before. 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 That, that you're not, not going to win. Right. Well, they, they're not even going to consider even, yet. Not even consideration. Yeah, that's so stupid. Yeah. It's just stupid. And it's, you know, that the thing about... In, I think in so and many I, now I question too. Like if I just I should maybe I should just done yeah. my material and try to kill and and have them try to say I can't win it. But I you know, but they'd already decided. They decided you, yeah. the, your age, your look, whatever. Right, right, right. They'd already made that decision. And you know, it, it's like I mean that that's what I mean. I don't get me wrong. Contests can do can do wonderful things for right. people, you right. know, and and, 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 and it, most of the time it does something wonderful for one or two people, right. you know, out of everybody. But, yeah. uh, but, you know, I remember back in the days of Star Search, when yeah. Star Search was the first thing that popped up. And the first, the first time I went and auditioned for Star Search, it was me, Sinbad, and a comic named Jerry Elliott, who was out of Michigan. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, Sinbad was a solid headliner then. Oh, sure. I think Jerry was probably headlining. I was a good middle and, you know, we'd been touring for a while and shit. And I mean, you walked in, it was that thing, no audience. Yeah. Where you walk into a banquet room right. with four people and a camera, no one laughs and I mean, we, all three of us just went. Well, that was just fucking stupid. Awful. It was stupid. Yeah. You know. I mean, I don't even know what they got out of it. You know. Yeah. And it was just ridiculous. Even Sinbad did not get on that time. Right. It was later. And then, a year later, they had an audition at the Punchline in Atlanta, and this was in the mid '80s uh, uh, or late '80s, mid late '80s. In Punchline Atlanta, there was not a hotter room in the United right. States than the Punchline Atlanta. I mean, right. if you couldn't do well there, fuck it. You know, yeah, yeah, right. their crowds were amazing. And they uh, and there was there must have been 15 of us that went up in, you know, whatever, five minutes or seven minutes or something like that. Everybody that went up was either a strong middle or a headliner. Every single one. I think Foxworthy went up. Wow. Uh, uh, I think J. Anthony Brown was in that group. Uh, 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 I think, um, uh, who else? Maybe Tim Wilson. I mean, there were some guys that later became famous guys. Big guns. Yeah, yeah. big guys. You know what I mean? And every, 
I opened it. I opened the thing. And I mean, everybody had a killer set. Not one lackluster set. Yeah. And they didn't choose one person. Oh, well. And I was like, how the fuck could that even happen? I mean, it just made... That's where I just went. These contests you know, uh, are fucking you know the, too the, weird the Star Search thing, uh, a friend of mine... You know Tony V, probably. He's a yeah, I know he Boston. is. Uh-huh. He's a really uh-huh. funny guy. But he went to Star Search audition. He thought it'd be funny. He wore a Star Trek uh, outfit, and they got really mad. He's like, "I'm sorry, was this an audition for?" Uh... Right. Nice. <laughs> and they did not see the humor in it whatsoever. Nice. <laughs> but it is. I mean, you know, it's it's you know, a lot of people don't, the average public don't realize that, like America's Got Talent. You know, when you uh, talk to like Preacher, who who's done real Lawson, who's done real well off yeah, of, he didn't great. win it, but yeah, yeah. It, it's made his career, no doubt about it, for sure. But he had the perf, he had he had the perfect kind of set, and I went, how? Walk me through it. And he goes, lest you never do more than two minutes. Right. You never really do more than two minutes. So through the whole course of the show, all the way to the finals. You're not exposing more than 10 or 12 minutes. Max. Oh, I didn't realize it was that long. I don't even know it's that much. Yeah. Maybe seven minutes. Oh, I didn't know that. Something. He said Because I thought eight. it was a strategy thing. Like, you know, because uh, who was the guy? Uh, Josh. Blue? Yeah, Josh Blue. I, 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 didn't, I, never, I didn't even watch the show I was on. Now, I Josh really Blue was Josh Blue was last comic standing. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, which, what are you talking which about? Preacher Lawson was uh, America's Got Talent. Oh, okay. Yeah, Talent. I never watched that one either. You know, know Tommy came in. Tommy Cotter came in second on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And so uh, I think in I think in last comic standing, you do they do see a, a little more material, okay. I, I believe, from yeah, people yeah. explaining it to me. But it's not a lot. Right. I mean, I want to say in last comic standing, they're probably not seeing more than 15 minutes or. Yeah, if you yeah, make it to know. the finals, I think it's something. Yeah, something, something like that. They, I mean, it's like it's it's still on scheduled TV. Yeah, so, so your can't. time is so tight. Of course, obviously, you just got to be, uh, you know, to me, you, you just got to be a, a, a tight one-liner guy, right? Or right. super high energy and super animated, right? 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 right. Oh, I guess we're in trouble with Ron. Oh, he was hearing us. Oh. Were we too loud? I guess. Well, probably we were la- laughing. I'm going to give me some coffee. Nobody too. can hear us back here. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I usually leave the door open because... So we can hear. Yeah. So we can hear the laughter and hear, hear yeah. what's going on, you know. All right. Well. But sometimes I've been on stage and I could hear the guys really? in here. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, sometimes. Might sometimes. be throwing them off. Yeah. You can't rattle this, though. You throw rocks at him, he's still in No, here. no. He's, he th- he'd be mm-hmm. doing his... <laughs> no, no. Well, we've all, we've all done so many of those uh, one-nighters. Yeah. Where, you know, the crowd's not, you know, the, you don't have their attention at all. Oh man. And you just. That's the worst. You know, That's why I, this. And I, of course, Ron's never experienced that. Yeah, He's, I'll wear that. I'll wear this out. But it's like. I think comedians are like hockey players because you never go up, know when you're going home with your own teeth. Because yeah. you go up there, you, if you get cocky before the show, you yeah. know, these these shows and McCurry's have been amazing all week. 
but I'm not trusting it. No. <laughs> no. You know, it's that one angry bull, the Widowmaker, that they pull in. And you go, whoa, where'd that bull come from? You know, it's got but, one eye. <laughs> we'll know? take him out. We'll take him out. You, you know, know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And especially the one-nighters, you're much more likely to be in a scenario where the lights don't work, the sound doesn't work. Oh, yeah. There's a game on the TV. Ugh. There's a oh, shuffleboard yeah. machine. There's <laughs> The two... The two, or they don't know there's a show. It's a surprise. Show. Exactly, exactly. They didn't even know there was going to be. They want to watch a game. They turn it off. And they go, "Here's your comedian." Now you're now you're the, the evil person that ruined their night out. Oh God, yeah. I remember. You know, you've done it. Showed up at the one. I remember one was down here in Florida. It was in uh, what was the city? LaBelle. 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 It's a. It's it's a, in the country. Right. Outside like of it. Fort Myers. <laughs> okay. It's yeah. out in the country. Yeah. And me and another act show up, and literally, it's just one of those little drinking bars. Yeah. You know, like a local's drinking bar. Like a dive bar kind of thing? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like got a bar, maybe two TVs, if right, that. Right, right. This is back in the day before flat screens. Sure. You know what I mean? Right, right. So maybe two televisions up there. A lot of those bars had one television, right? right. right. Yeah. And there was a pool table in the middle of a small room. And I think maybe a jukebox, a cigarette machine. Mm-hmm. And we get in there, and there's literally like 10 or 12 guys at the bar. And we yeah. walk in, and nobody had any earthly idea that there was supposed to be a comedy show. Uh-huh. So the bartender calls up the owner, and he was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He said, well, tell them go ahead and, you know, go ahead and do their thing. And so, you know, we, we just literally... You know, we just literally looked at the guys at the bar and said, hey, here's the deal, man. If y'all are into it, if y'all are into it, we'll just sit here and, you know, tell you some jokes and shit. And we just literally propped ourselves up on the edge of the pool table and, uh, you know, sat there and bullshit around with a dozen guys. And it went okay, I mean, for that. I mean, you couldn't. Because if you went in there with the attitude of, oh, there's no stage, there's, there's, uh, uh, you know, well, uh, you know, and, but, you know, we always go in there with the attitude of going, well, can we pull something off to where the guy will give us our 150 bucks and absolutely and yeah. take off, you know, kind of a deal. I, I one of those in Bristol, Connecticut. I'm, there's a, there was a comedian. His name was Mike Mad Dog Adams. Uh-huh. I've never seen him again, but he's a road guy. He lived like, out of his van almost or something. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he, uh, we both show up there, and the, the, there's nobody in the bar. There's three people. Ugh. And so I, I said to the guy, well, you know, if you don't want to do a show, if you could just, like, pay us half. You know, it wasn't much money to begin with. Right. Just for our gas. Right. No, no, no. There's going to be a show. Oh, right. Yeah. I said, okay. You know, if we do the show, we're going to want to get paid. I know. I know. To do the whole show. Finish the show. It's hard. It's a horrendous yeah. uh, t- time stands still. Right. You know, right. yeah. <laughs> nobody there. You have to shave twice during a set. Yeah, nobody you know, there. like <laughs> nobody there. Cobwebs are growing off the side of your head. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, and we get up to the guy. Goes, yeah. You know, I can't pay you for that. And so I go, um, I'm taking the TV. And Mike was a pretty big guy. He goes, I'm gonna take that big ass Buddha. It'll look good in my garden. Yeah. And the guy's just looking at me. He goes, you're not going to take my... I'm taking the TV. Yeah. He's taking the Buddha. <laughs> and you best back away from that bar. Because we cleared this up ahead of time. And you knew this was coming. Right. He pulls out the money. He had it counted with paper clips on it. Uh, I was like, you son of a bitch. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, just to see. Just to see. They always try that. I remember we, we played this club. There was a club up in Jacksonville, and it was called the Comedy Video Tech. And once again, before flat screens, right? And so you walk in this place, and the showroom would hold about 150 people, and then there was a wall, and then there was another air, room area right behind the wall between the wall and the bar that had open arches, you know, to the yeah. other, you know what I'm saying? And maybe you could put 40 or 50, and then they had these little booth bays, you know, where right. people could sit. Yeah. And they had televisions ever motherfucking where. You know, like, you know, they must have had 30, 40 televisions. And so they, they closed circuit the, the show on the, the televisions. It was, you know, everybody, people were looking for concepts of right. something different, right? right? Well, the first time we went, it was packed. It was great. It was new. It yeah. was a lot of fun. Yeah. We show up the next year, and we walk in in the middle of the afternoon, you know, Wednesday or whenever we get there. All the televisions are gone, mm. and they're just wires <laughs> hanging up on the wall. Close and down. so there's just the bartenders there. And there's nobody else. The, nobody else is there at that point in time. Just he just kind of and and so we're like, okay. He said, hey man, uh, can we get a beer? He's like, yeah, okay. He said, just give us a couple Budweisers. He goes, I'm all out of Bud. Ooh, you're out of Bud. You're out of good. Bud. <laughs> 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 so. So, so then when the manager got there, uh, we went up to him. We said, hey, look, man, looks like you're having kind of a rough time here. He said, yeah, but we're kind of changing the concept and this, that, and the other. And we were like. It's a Budweiser free concept. <laughs> we were like, listen, yeah, man, for real. We, we drove over from Sarasota. Right. Here's the deal. You need to pay us now for the week yeah. or we'll just go home, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not going to. I'm not going to look at this and be doing shows every night wondering if you've got enough money at the end of the week to right. pay me. So, And he did. They paid us up front. Oh, that's cool. You know, but we were just looking at it going. It's a bad feeling, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here all. smarter than me. I'm not going to sit here all week <laughs> long. Always, you can always learn, oh, I should have got the money before we went on stage. <laughs> that's what yeah. we learned, listeners. Yeah, because we were close enough to home, you know, five yeah. hours away. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. eh, you know, kind yeah. of a deal. Just go ahead and <laughs> take the money and run. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, did you ever play uh, Bear's Place, the Tom yeah. Sobel Yes, I did. Yes, in I Indi did once. At Indiana University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom told me that was the longest continuously running one-nighter, he thought, in in all of comedy in the history of the United States. I think States they bragged comedy. about that. Yeah, there, I did a comedy cabaret, I think, in Kentucky first. Is that right? Yeah. Can that be right? Yes, yeah. They, they're the same, same guys. Same guys. That was okay. a weekend or week, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you did the week. It was in Lexington. And I think the bear was the Sunday, was it? Or Monday, it, it, maybe. It could have been because originally – Tom Sobel, his original thing was, before he opened up a week-long room, was the comedy caravan. Yeah. And okay. he didn't have he didn't have a freestanding room. Okay. He booked one-nighters in bars in, in college towns. So you went Lexington, University of Kentucky. Uh -huh. Then you went over to University of Miami, Ohio, University of Indiana, Purdue, Ball State, um... Let me see. There were a couple others. There, there was about he had he had about seven of these things strung together, and they were all about two hours apart. Yeah, you know, kind of a deal, and they were fun. They were set up well, mm -hmm. and they were mostly college. 
student. Yeah. And Bear's place was just I in, remember in the run place, of that. But they had pictures all over. I mean, like famous people oh, yeah. that had worked there. Wow. You know, I was like, whoa. Now, what, you, know. you know, we. I was. I was talking to uh, Basil. Was here. Mm. Remember Basil? And we were talking about Bear's place. He remembered. I remember Bear's place that the audience was above, like the stage was down. Like you walked down to the stage, like you were in an amphitheater. Yeah. Like it was the back room. You walked through yeah. the college bar, you know, picnic right. table college right. bar, right. into the showroom, and then the audience set up and you the stage was down. The audience was in the power position. Yeah. He remembered it opposite. He thought the stage was I high. I don't remember either way. No. And I remember because it was like, to me, I had never seen that before. Yeah. Where I'd done that in theater. I'd right. played amphitheaters sure. where the audience is above you. Right. But I'd never done comedy where the audience is definitely in the power position. Right. You know, yeah, right. they are. And uh, and there was only one way in and one way out. That, that aisle way. <laughs> through the audience. So if you did not do well, you had to leave walk through them. The walk of shame. <laughs> and uh, But they were usually good crowds. But yeah. I know they... The, I think the two that they bragged about that they if you didn't do well it was like live at the Apollo they right, they right. start heckling you yeah, and, yeah. and um, I think that uh, that Roseanne and Paula Poundstone did not uh, do well there you oh, know, you know I, but I, it just caused their low energy and I had a I think it was like a what's the the lower in baseball double A or triple A uh, triple A I think right triple A so I, is I, lower. Is it like a uh, lower on the rung of baseball? Oh, okay. I was thinking the other way around, but you might be wrong. Well, so anyway, whatever it was, I was on the lower end. Somebody hired me. I thought they were going to have me work at the clubhouse. Uh I get there. They want me on the pitcher's mound. Right. During a game. And the the first act that's supposed to, you know, do 30 and bring me up does, I'm going to say four minutes, about four minutes, and goes right into my intro. And then I got. It takes him a minute. It takes me a minute to walk all the way out there, to the pitcher's mound. They did it go well at all? No, no. And then so I start getting heckled by the home team, and I go, let's 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 meet the home team. I go, come on out. Number thirteen. I go, this guy's going to be working in the public works department of his hometown, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. He's laughing at me, but he has no shot at the major leagues <laughs> whatsoever. His batting average. That's funny. That's great. And, and they laughed and kind of. Some of them weren't happy about that. Right, you know? right. like, yeah, I go, let's fun. see who else has no shot and is wasting their summer here. Exactly. And wherever it was, like in Western Mass. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> wherever it was. But it, I don't think, I don't think, I, I don't even know. I'm sure I didn't do all my time either. It they, was like, asked, they asked me to do it here. They've asked me two or three times. Hey, uh, don't ever come do out. It. Why don't you come out and do something? And, and I'm in a place where most of the crowd would even know me. Yeah. yeah. But yes. still, I go, it's, in, it's stupid. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's impossible. It's not. Do, do I got time to run for the bathroom before you bring I can kill some time. Yeah, I'm going to make a run for it. Okay, cool. No problem. I was afraid to leave your broadcast. Oh, no problem. You can do that. That's hilarious. All right, well, hopefully it didn't piss off Ron too much. Well, uh, uh, um, I, I'm not uh, concerned with that. <laughs> well, you're not. Here. <laughs> I can tell you that for sure. Uh, you know, like I say, I've been on stage and, and heard. Yeah. But we, we purposefully leave the door open, well, you know what I mean, because we like to hear the ambient sound. We like to hear yeah. the, We like for the people who are listening to us now that are as we're having this discussion, 
we, we like for you guys to hear that we're in a comedy club. There right. is a show going on. You can hear you it. You know, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I never thought that. I never thought that, though. That's funny that you yeah. could hear from the stage. Yeah, it, 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 it has to. We have to. But, you know, we got, you know, we're, we, our voices project. We well, get big yeah. if we're. We're in here really getting getting, uh, and I'm sure that he's the only one hearing it. Right, exactly. you know what I mean. You know, as far as that. But goes. when you're trying to do like simple like setup punchline kind of jokes, it probably fucks with your rhythm. Right, a little right, bit. right. So it does yeah. make sense to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's funny. Yeah. So. Oh shit! Right. One more show after this. And uh, do you want me to do? You said like five minutes. Yeah, after you. I'll I'll go up and open the show. Right. Do about ten minutes on the second show, and then you just come, I'll bring you out and I'll say uh, that you're going to host out the rest of the show. Okay. You know, five seven minutes. You know, whatever. Just bring them up. All right.